and it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk, episode number 36, recorded on Friday, March 18th, 2011. Hey, what's new in 4.2? 4.2 just came out. Let's talk about it, um, all the new features, and why you should care. Let's do this. Splunk Talk. I gotta have more cowbell. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Maverick. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm fabulous. I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm on a new diet. So oh, I'm really? like, yeah. Yeah, I read this book called The 4-Hour Body <laughs> by that Tim Ferriss guy, you know, who does 4-Hour Workweek. And really the deal with that guy is he just like does a bunch of research and then writes it down. There's nothing revolutionary, but it's just more like, at least in the diet, I'm like doing a lot more protein and less carbs. So I'm feeling better overall. Yeah. So that's why I'm feeling better. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm actually got a, like a treadmill. So I'm like, I'm actually I'm not running. I'm walking, I'm working my way up to, I can walk about a mile or so a day. So I'm proud of that. Are you on the treadmill? Right now? No, no, no. Does it sound like it? I'm trying to get to where I don't breathe so heavy, but no, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm giving off that impression. <laughs> but yeah, no. But it's it's pretty cool. I got a TV with a built-in DVD that kind of goes sideways into it. So from the side, so I just load oh. up my X X Files or you know Frasers, old uh, episodes of stuff, and I just watch them. And it's perfect, perfect 45 minute, and I walk for the whole time. It's pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Okay, so today, Michael and Maverick are going to be chatting about Splunk 4.2. And why is that? Why are, we, why are we talking about that in this time and not doing a normal thing with the questions and stuff and answers? Splunk talk. Because of Splunk talk, okay? Ah, and there yeah. are times, as some of the listeners may know, that we do sort of a conversation because... You know, Q&A is fun. Um, Q&A is good, but sometimes um, it's hard to fit a bunch of topics into three questions. And 4.2 is out, and there's a, a, a number of new things that are there that are worth chatting about. So let's talk about this. Splunk 4.2. Did you download it, Maverick? I have. Yeah. Was the download process the same? Uh, it, the download part was the same. Yes. The installation seemed to be the same. It was just as easy. And uh, but the getting the first part of getting get data in was different, and that was cool. It was all kind of helping me out a lot more. You know, help, trying to aid me in to making a decision on where to get things of the kind of data that I might want to get in. Because we all know this is an agnostic product, right? We can get pretty much any text, humanly readable text-based thing. But in reality, usually you download it to index a certain type of data. Awesome. So there's like about five or six main new things that got added to 4.2, which I guess you could call it a point release. I'm not an engineering, so I don't really know whether a point release is .0.2 or .2. It's, it's, a, a, minor, it's a minor release. There's it's a point a release point. in there because there's a decimal. So that's, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, point. Yeah. Wild okay. doesn't know if what he's talking it. about. So. <laughs> A, a minor point release, right? Right. I like to play so, minors. Like I like A minor. It's one of my favorite chords on the keyboard. Okay. On your, on your iPad, yeah. No, on my actual little keyboard. So. Oh, on your keyboard, on your piano. Which okay. I'm not going to be playing today, but I might be doing it in chat roulette. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> there we go. One of the, we need one of these right now. There we go. Okay. Yeah. There. We go. All right. So, 
here's a bunch of stuff for you to know. If you are new to Splunk, um, this is good info because there's a couple of features, a bunch of them that didn't exist in the past, which you'll probably be excited about. If you are an existing user, let's say 3.0, dude, upgrade. There's a lot of reasons to upgrade to 4.x, although from 3.0 to 4, you might need a little bit of help with that, okay? Because there are some yeah. things that change. But 4.1, 4.0 to 4.2, everything should work pretty fine uh, in that. But so here's some major themes. Okay, first, the most boring thing in the world has gotten better, licensing. Why would we even spend time on it? Yeah, right. So licensing, it's funny because... Yeah, why, why, why do I care? Oh, why do I care about that? So the manager cares about that. All right. Why is licensing important? Does this mean that Splunk, the company, can spy on you and see exactly what you're doing? No. 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 Our software doesn't actually ever call home. Well, technically, when you load up the homepage, like the login screen, it does load a banner which will let you know if there's an upgrade available, but we don't know what you're doing. Okay, so check this out. Um, one of the challenges that existed in the past was licensing was on a per-server basis. So let's say you had two Splunk servers, you know, one in a different data center doing the distributed search jive. Um, yeah, and, and you went, you know, you did your due diligence, you sent Splunk a purchase order for 10 gigs, for example, or maybe 100 and but you got one license and that needs to go on separate servers yeah crap now you got to call support and ask them to chop up your license which they're more than happy to do or they were in the past uh not necessary anymore okay there's also a couple of other situations where one might want to have um license allocation let's say for different servers or indexes or customers let's say you're an msp and you want to make sure this Splunk server can only index up to two gigs a day because that's what you chose for your client. Okay. So totally boring feature has gotten about as awesome as a boring feature could ever get. What Correct. you'll see now in Splunk 4.2 is this licensing pool and a license master and, and all of that. And really what it means is you can take and build a license pool uh, when you start out, there's usually a trial one involved and you get a trial license and you can create one. You take your trial license and you put it in your pool um, and now you can stack licenses up. So let's say this year you buy a five gig license. Splunk's working out. You think it's awesome. Next year you buy a 20 gig license. You can just basically add that on or maybe as your deployment grows. It's a very handy feature. Yeah, and also just to remind everybody that might still want the, the the pool thing is great, but that's not the only option. You can do fixed also, so you can have or the two. You can have like you could say out of my three indexers that I want to to share from the license manager, one of them I want two gig out of that twenty gig. You know, two gig on that small one over there just to do its own thing, and then the rest of the eighteen gigs that's left can be shared amongst the two or three other indexers that I have. And you can have a mixture of it. So you can chop it up if you want to make it fixed or pooled, either one and, and or both. And then licensing is done. Uh, there's like the enterprise license, which is total volume. But you can license based on source type. So let's say if you, for example, uh, you know, either purchase a license in that way or you wanted to carve up the license for one customer. So I'm only going to allocate, let's say, five gigabytes to this particular source type. Uh, it's flexible enough so that it's not just on a server or overall databases. You can uh, you can do that. And you can create these pools and masters and and slaves know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I think yeah. it's slave, but it's 
it's um it's a totally boring feature but it enables a couple of things a lot more flexibility on how licenses are done less calls to support because really if you have to call support because of our licensing that sucks that's our fault it's like a waste yeah. of you know in but you grow as a company and and all that so and you can squeeze and you can squeeze more out of the licenses that you do have right so you don't have because if you have this one out of five of them all fixed so let's say you had one gig each and one of them just always going just a little over one gig just a little and it's always like causing you, you know a bunch of headaches or whatever maybe maybe not a bunch but it's just something that you'd like to get under control you could pull them together and then that goes away and you can you can manage and you know to stretch out the use and the quality of the license that you do have so you don't have to upgrade as often. So that's I thought that was cool. Yeah, there are some cool videos on Splunk.com um, about 4.2 that will give you some screenshots and stuff about licensing. So another feature, <laughs> the universal forwarder. What's that? Woo-hoo. What's that? Oh, name? man. So that is, uh, it's just like the forwarders. If, you, if anyone uh, that's listening right now knows what a forwarder is, it r- currently, or in the previous version before 4.2, it was uh, the same software that you downloaded to be an indexer. You just simply configured it to be a forwarder only, and you t- basically, you know, essentially turned off the features that were not necessary, you know, for indexing and, and searching and summary indexing and um, uh, alerting, things like that, reporting. You turned all that stuff off, but it was essentially the same software. So the universal forwarder is actually... Um, is actually a different, uh, separate piece of software that's all, all it does is forward and it's this equivalent to like the lightweight or what what you might call the super lightweight forwarder. Um, is it and, a, se- uh, it's a separate download, right? It's a separate download, separate, put, you push it out separately and it all it does is forwarding. So, so when you, previously you just put out the software and you could change your mind and say, I want to make it an indexer now and point other things to it. The universal forwarder is not like that. It's just going to be forwarder, all, the only mode it comes in the only flavor comes in is forwarding, uh, but it's but it's designed because of that. It's designed to be much more efficient, um, much more lighter weight, even lighter than the than the lightweight forwarder, and uh, and it doesn't have all the heavy other heavy things that you might decide later to turn on. It just doesn't have that. Like so it doesn't have it doesn't even have the Python libraries on it either. So you can it just sits there and it just does for uh, monitoring forwarding and that's it. And that's what it's meant to do. It's much easier to manage and it's big. Been we've been pushed by our customers for a long time to to provide this so yeah and i think it's kind of cool because you know uh, when you use a a lot of people don't have a they have a problem with like an agent right but you know what really when you take splunk prior to this and you put it on a machine and you forward data guess what It, it acts like an agent now in the past it wasn't the most efficient agent and it was heavier um there are some reasons why you actually might still continue to use what we call a heavy forwarder let's say if you wanted to do filtering or you wanted to run your own scripts and stuff like that. But the universal forwarder is nice because a lot of times you don't want to do that. You just want the supported data inputs. You want to eat log files. You want to take some Windows event logs. You want to track some file system changes. And I don't know, maybe you want to receive syslog, whatever. Yeah. And But the setup process has gotten a lot easier. So now, like, let's say for Linux, well, Linux, I haven't ran the setup for Linux for universal forwarder. I'll have to try that later. But for Windows, you know, there's a little wizard that walks you through and you basically tell it, okay, what's the IP address and port of your deployment server? Okay, so you can use Splunk's deployment server. Why would you use that? You'd use that so you determine what should be eaten. Okay, yeah. in production, you'd probably want to do this. And in eval, you know, it's just one extra thing you got to set up that really is only for configuration management. But 
you know, you skip the deployment server section in, and then it asks you what's the name of the IP address and, uh, and port of your Splunk server that's going to be the indexer. So you give it that, and then it gives you a little GUI on, you know, some things you can index and even a directory, and you hit pretty much you hit play or next, finish, and it's done. And it turns off. But here's the things to remember. What's not the universal forwarder? Splunk web. So there's no web interface. No yeah. Python libraries, which means you can't run scripted inputs on that thing. Which is fine. If you want to run scripted inputs that are something different, then... Yeah, but exactly. Right. But you do. But the but the universal forward will give you the ability to 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 you know have the cube more cube control, right? Be able to oh, throttle yeah. things yeah. a little better, right? So that's the other. So you, it's trade off, right? So there might be reasons why you <laughs> might want to still use the lightweight forwarder instead of universal. But I think universal is going to be more popular because of that. Yeah, and there are reasons that you would, and <laughs> we could talk about that later. Um, another thing that I found though is got to make sure you turn on receiving on your indexer. <laughs> I had somebody send me an email like I can't they can't figure out how, like they set yeah. up the forwarder why isn't it eating and you know I sort of thought yesterday you know when I sent him a screenshot and he was like oh yeah I missed that part I was like why don't we just have receiving on by default I, I think we kind of should it just we should just open up port 9997 to receive data from forwarders and be done with it and that way people just won't make it's one yeah. less step so so, so this next one, I'm just um, really ecstatic about. Um, I'm beside myself. What actually, else is there? What's there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this next one, um, you know, the one about uh, being able to keep track of the forwarders and knowing where your deployment is, being able to like we've it's been about, needing this for a while. It's about time. It's about time. Deployment monitor. What's that about? Isn't it an app? It, it is. It's an app inside Splunk. <laughs> awesome. And it has all the searches to uh, to keep track of uh, all of that all of that stuff out there that's sending you the, these events and and you know that you're correlating and indexing on this side. So it's it's finally that view that visualization of things that you know some people have already created like like you probably have already created those in your own way, uh, but this is just a much better view. It's uh, already done and it's um, and it allows you to be able to see you know like when maybe when you're like the biggest question like when does when I know forwarder stop sending or goes down or something right? It's just to be able. able to to look and have that kind of view across your deployment yeah and it's kind of nice because you know like we used an app to tell you about our own app you know because we're getting a deployment monitor gets its data from the metrics log and the license usage log and the indexer so hey those are log files they're eaten with splunk we use the own our own app framework to, and some intelligence about our own product to build a decent deployment monitor it's not perfect one of the things that i thought about yesterday was I don't see any notion of search heads in there because a search head technically really isn't a first order object. It's a server that you set up. This job is just a search. And so I sent a request into Archana Ganapathy, who's the developer on that, to say, you might want to consider putting some information on search heads because a search head is something you're going to deploy. It will be a forwarder likely. And you might want to have some reports on what searches are being done. But it's kind of cool. You just turn it on on your indexer and it tells you all that's going on. Um, it's nice to have that level of reporting beyond uh, the, just the what's happening in licensing. Yeah, and supposedly the, you, I haven't tested this yet, but I, maybe we'll talk about this more in the future future talks, Splunk talks. But uh, the whole idea of the uh, backfill, like being able to just backfill things immediately, I thought that was kind of well. Interesting. The reason why that's important um, that that's not necessarily for all apps, but there's a good chance, let's say, that you're going to upgrade your Splunk server. Let's say you've been a Splunk customer for. Nine, 10 months or whatever. 
Those yeah. logs, metrics, and license usages are there. Now, um, the uh, deployment monitor, for a lot of its statistics, uses summary indexing for its reporting. So if your Splunk server is more than a week old, you can then backfill the summary indexes for that all that Splunk data on um, license usage and metrics. And that way, it'll take into account everything that's been happening before you even upgrade it. So. Exactly. Um, do we want to mention anything about backwards compatibility or don't worry about that? Um, I mean, Splunk 4.1 upgrade should work just fine. Forwarders will work fine. I mean, there's no limit. There's even the same license key is used from 4.1 to 4.2. There are some core differences in the underlying product, which we'll get to in a little bit. A um, couple of things that you're going to see in the UI. What are you going to see new in the UI, Maverick? Uh, you're going to see different ways to, well, let's see, I, we can talk about workflows. We can yep. talk about alerting. Let's creating, go for the workflow stuff. Okay. Workflows. Yeah. So we have a new, a new set for workflows. Um, some of, some of it is, um, uh, um, I'm trying to remember here. I'm sorry. I'm just, oh. uh, I, I'm just, I'm drawing a blank. I think oh, I'm in the wrong. It's part okay, my, dude. I got it. It's I'm, I'm on slide 60. So, so check this up. 60, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's right. a couple right. things that you're going to want to like, oh, you want to go over that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So sorry. go ahead, ready? Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, one th one thing that's new is um, the ability to turn off uh, the auto field uh, discovery. Why would you like, want to do like, that? Why would you ever want to do that? Well, like we've talked, for, for we've talked about in other episodes before, like uh, Splunk's doing, so whenever, the, whenever you're searching and you're getting back results in the Splunk GUI, Splunk's doing this thing in the background also at the same time. As the results come back, it's looking automatically. It's trying to discover. It's, it's interrogating. It's using its really cool, sophisticated algorithms to kind of figure out what things might be fields that need to be extracted, things that appear over and over again and, you know, patterns that kind of come out of that. Uh, that Splunk's able to detect, hey, this is a field, and this is a value, key value pairs, it pulls those things out. And that's what you see on the left side. That's what that magical, automagical thing that happens on the left side in the blue panel that you click on and you get your instant reports from, or you can look at your counts and you can see what Splunk is seeing, what it thinks is there that might be important. Again, we're a syntax-based type solution, so it, it, we don't care about the semantics of it. So that's all it's doing is looking at the syntax to figure out those kind of things. Well, that takes a little bit of time in the background, like we've talked about before, and other episodes about performance and search performance and improving it. Sometimes you want to turn that off, but you have to, before you had to do that manually. And so now we have a button right in the GUI and you just say off and then it'll turn that off and it won't take up any processor uh, process for that and allow you to then you, you can do your own extractions uh, that you want for maybe one or two fields instead of Splunk maybe finding a 500 or a thousand fields or something like that. Well, and the challenge with that is if you have a crap ton of fields splunk is also going to do map reduce on all of those fields okay and when you do the search it's like summarizing absolutely everything which is fine it's nice like i said in the past splunk does everything completely inefficiently so it looks easy but when you want to let's say do top client ip turn off field discovery and then just ask it for top you know ask it for the field client ip and it's a heck of a lot faster. Another way to do this without clicking on field discovery is to just pipe your search to fields and ask Splunk the fields that you want. And it will stop the discovery and it will only discover the field you want and reduce on the field you want. 
Yep, exactly. And another thing that we have that is, is this idea of splitting things out uh, from that main save search panel. So if those of you been using the product know you go to save search and you can say also click the little checkbox to say I want to make an alert out of it or right. I just want to just not do it, make a report. So we separated that out and made the workflows more consistent with what you would be doing. So now we have a new create alert and create report type links that only do those things. And then and then Michael, tell us tell everyone what the uh, how we've improved the uh, the alerting part of it. Well, there's there's a couple things. So when you go through the process, in the past you went to actions, save search. I never ever clicked on the save search button above the timeline. I don't know why. It's right there and it's pretty, but I never click on it. <laughs> I'm just an idiot, okay? But when you clicked on save search in the past, you could do all sorts of things. Like you could create an alert. You couldn't really add it to the dashboard, but you could do a bunch of crap. Now it's saving a search saves a search. Got it? Yep. Uh click on add to dashboard that'll save the search and allow you to create and or add create a new and or add to an existing dashboard build report will still build report and then the actual create alert itself uh will let's say create an alert but the cool thing about the way alert creation works is it takes into account the time range that you selected so let's say if you're looking over last 15 minutes it's obviously going to, you know, let you alert over that historical time range. But if your search is in real time, let's say you're doing a real time search and you're looking for failed logins, you pipe it to time chart count or stats count where count is greater than five. You're looking for more than five failed logins in a real time window. Um, it will turn that into a real time alert. It actually yeah. will skip the process of scheduling it. Because it's not scheduled. It's going to be something that runs in real time. Then where do those alerts appear? In the alert manager. Yes, there's now an alert is, manager. Yeah. So you can watch it. You can track it. Um, that's th That's been missing. I mean, we've been able to do it kind of in a roundabout way before. But now, now we have one place where we can go and we can see how long we want to keep them around. We want to keep them for historical reasons to show, maybe report on it, or just to be able to track and see if it is firing and doing what we expect it to do. Before, you could just search against our logs and do it. This is just all built in and that we do it for you automatically, again, with searches on the back end, but just to make it much easier for you to manage those, uh, those alerts. Alert manager is in the upper right-hand corner next to the jobs and manager and help menu. So check that out. Um, next... Uh, in real-time alerting, that we talked about that, um, some new visualizations. So we got gauges, and I'm sort of like... Gauges? What's that? Like a speedometer, kind of, like, speedometer I, kind of thing? Oh, that's cool. I'm though. kind no, of a cool. who cares about that, but in the as other aspect, there are some visualization sets of statistics that lend themselves better to a radial gauge, like a speedometer, a filler, you know, like a like you're filling up your tank. A thermometer, thermometer kind of Yeah, thing. or a marker, which is a marker on a Red horizontal graph, right? Yeah, yeah. It which, shifts back and goes back from left to right depending on the pressure or something like a pressure gauge, but going back and forth left to right horizontally. Search yeah. command to match this, okay? Like in the past when you use the single value, so... Um, uh, sec... Um, so in the past, when if you use single value, 
like the single value little button on your dashboard, you needed to pipe your search command to range map so you could like determine what red, green, and yellow is. Now there's a search command called gauge. Okay, So you pipe your search to gauge, and you give it the fields for minimum, maximum, median, and, and all that, and average. And then you just choose the gauge widget when you put it on your dashboard, and hey, you have some pretty, pretty awesome stuff. So uh, you can use that in the X advanced XML as well. The, the thing that, I mean, I haven't seen it too much in IT, like maybe CPU usage or network latency or something like that would be well, cool. Well, what, yeah, what it'll probably be translates more of the higher level type dashboards you would have like with uh, SLAs, like you might have a, an average SLA uh, total, one single value, and you want to just, and, and also because of the real-time nature of Splunk, you may want to have that gauge like actually on there kind of where we're watching it for a while to see if you're getting close to, to going over or not. And you can also, and you could do it against your Splunk licensing too if you wanted to Splunk itself and look at its licensing or you just, a lot of the things I'm thinking that the customers I've worked with, they they, they love this idea of being able to have a speedometer where they can watch the needle going back and forth or a slider getting close to the danger zone on transact on their average transaction times and things like that. You know, so it's a much higher level you have to kind of build up to it. But I think it, it's coming at the right time where we have a lot of customers wanting to do this kind of thing and visualize it this way. So that's I think it's cool. Yeah, you know, it's just just more more stuff to to visualize it. Um, it's, uh, another this one is convenient. So in the past, when you downloaded apps, let's say you downloaded the Cisco app, you had to restart the Splunk server to get the thing to work. Now you can just right. turn it on, enable it, disable it. That's cool. There's a lot more configuration file loading going on, so there's less server restarts necessary. Um, Maverick is talking about getting data in, which has gotten a lot better. Um, there's a series of recipes that are available right when you start the product. The Getting Started Wizard is still there, the Getting Started app. But there's a Getting Data In section, which um, gives you holds your hand a little bit more. And uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think I think it's good. I think for some of us that are kind of you know more technical than others, I guess it, it's going to be you know we're probably still going to do it the old way, um, which is still there, and we've improved some of that just in the GUI and the way that it looks and the way you get to it. Uh, but the, but for someone that maybe is trying to splunk some some data that they're and they're not as technical, they're not sure where to start. Maybe, maybe they kind of know, but they're not sure. It's going to help them a lot into knowing kind of what to focus on because again, we are a pretty agnostic type approach to product, right? So it's going to be. Uh, you know, we can do anything that's text-based. So, so this will just help guide someone in, in how they want to focus first. And then, you know, so I think initial users are going to get uh, get a lot of benefit out of it, but won't, but the veteran users are probably going to, may, may get some use out of it, may, dis- may be able to discover some new things there, some help. It's on faster, how to do too. I mean, it's, it's faster. It's actually know. faster than clicking all the way into Manager. Oh, by the yeah. way, Manager's got icons now. whoop de friggin do but yeah, it's see. actually exciting for me because I like icons and I can never read the screen fast enough to figure out where forwarding receiving is. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, two more things. Uh, raw data. Raw data. The raw data format has changed. Okay. So it's 4.1's raw data is the way that it is. Everything written in 4.2 is in the new raw data format. Don't worry. Your Splunk server will handle both. 4.1 old raw data will not be migrated over. So it, materially, it's not a big deal to you. It's just that the 4.2 raw data format is is caused it to be like an order of magnitude faster, which I didn't know what it was. Yes, I know it's retarded. I didn't know what an order of magnitude was, but it is <laughs> something to the power of 10. 
right? See, you say right, but I'm well, it's called it's called big O notation. That's another term. Of, well, I, had to, I I looked up on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but the but the other cool thing about this is this is kind of helping us set up for future versions where we're going to have more HA type uh, and more clustering right. type features later on because people are asking for that more and more all the time. So this is just helping to get us in the right ba- underlying. It's kind of a boring thing too, but it's also helping us to get to more uh, very non boring things later. Uh, that people are wanting. Uh, speaking of clustering uh, and, and and the idea of that, the whole pooling. Did we talk about that already? The we whole pooling. Search head pooling. Yet. Search head pooling. So um, so that whole idea of being able to um, you know have different search heads. Everyone searching. Like you could have a VIP on the front end that's just going to one of the search heads to create some really good high availability for searching for people. If you have like tons and tons of people trying to search across stuff. Um, and then, but you know, like when you go to save a search, what, what happens when you go save a search? Yeah. When you save a search in the past, it got saved locally. Right. So let's say you had two Splunk servers and you know, maybe you didn't really care which one you logged into on the front end, yeah. but you save a church, you make a dashboard, all that stuff is just saved on another server. So now, now you create an NI NFS or SIFS share. Okay. So you're basically going to take and share the configuration directories for the Splunk, uh, for the search head, okay? Your search head's not doing any indexing, so you're not sharing the index. Don't, you know, confuse that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what it's going to do, and, you, and you know, there's a, there's a command that you enable it so the search heads know that they're pooling, but all that stuff is written, um, you know, load balancer needs to have sticky service, search head, sticky, sticky sessions, obviously, so they end up on the same server. Same one. Whole, yeah. Where they were before, yeah. Correct. But um, you'll end up, having uh, a lot more simple environment where you can just put up more search heads as you want to scale. And then um, you, uh, the configuration sort of takes care of itself and you got it centralized and it, 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 let's just say it just works. Yeah. That's just like a lot of things in Splunk. That's what people really like. It just works. And I'm really, I'm really proud of the release, even though it is kind of, it is like you're saying, kind of boring in the sense that it's not huge, huge, uh, significant, uh, Raz, you know, sexy things or whatever, but uh, but it, they're very significant for the growth of the product and the and the potential uses in the future, as well as what people want to do now, like the real time alerting. People have been asking that for a while, and the whole I want to see my forwarders, you know, I want to be able to just create an alert really quickly or dashboard really quickly, and because they're starting to show other people on the team or other parts of their company too. So a lot of the workflow stuff is going to help with just adoption and helping people to like evangelize it to other folks. So. So download it if you haven't. Download it and, and you know start taking advantage of that when you're when you're needing to show it to other people, so that make it really much more easy for them to uh, to see the light, just like you like like you do. Cool. Yeah, there's a lot more details which we'll end up probably covering in questions in future versions of Splunk uh, talk on four two. But <coughs> dang it. <clears throat> but um. I think that's a little bit of a quick wrap up uh, overview of 4.2. Check the release notes because there's always stuff, there's always issues that occur. Yep. Ask questions on answers. Ask us questions. Send email to splunktalk at splunk.com. Um, any feedback, let us know. And what's the one more thing I was going to cover? Um, nah, not really. Might as well keep it short and sweet. So as always, have a great week. Thanks for listening. And uh, what do we say, Maverick? Happy splunking.
insert the freaking song right about <laughs> now. <laughs> Y'all better watch Y'all out better now. Watch out. Because Splunk is about to.